The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And this week, we will be doing the same exercise I did last week, but we'll be doing it with pitchers. So a 2023 pitching prospect draft, kind of geared towards draft and holds, but basically we're going to be drafting pitchers for just their total value in 2023. And I'm very fortunate to be joined by Eric Cross and Chris Clegg from Fantrax. I'm sure you guys know who they are. Uh, really Really appreciate you guys joining me. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having us on, James. Always appreciate you know, being on and talking prospects with you. Yeah, man, doing good. It's good to be on the show. I'm looking forward to this exercise. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially for us degenerates that are ready to get drafting for 2023 <laughs> already. So it's going to be a good little exercise to do. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I just always sort of have that itch. Um, and I feel like we, we're going to be going fairly deep here. Uh, we're going to be doing eight rounds, so 24 total pitching prospects will be drafted. And honestly, kind of looking at the pool, feels like 24 is about as many pitching prospects as I would <laughs> I would uh, recommend being drafted total in a 50-round draft and hold league. Uh, it seems like kind of a weak crop. Um, I'm, I don't know. Do you guys get that vibe at all? It seems like a lot of guys are either injured or are just graduating. Um doesn't seem like the most loaded group of pitching yeah. prospects for next season. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that same thing. Like, there's some good names at the top, but after the first handful or so, it kind of starts dropping off quick. But hey, you know, guys like uh, you know Kyle Wright were drafted super late and drafted hold Spencer Strider. So I'm sure there'll be maybe not to that level, but you know, I'm sure we'll find some uh, have some nice hidden gems again next year as we always do. Yeah, I think the exercise is a little tougher than hitters for sure. I think you have <laughs> yeah. Much more variety there, so it'll be interesting. It was fun putting together the list and and challenging in a way. So um, you're right. I think a lot have graduated, and the others may not debut next year. A lot at the top, so it's uh, it was fun putting together this list. So, well, after I gave that awesome sell job about how uh, tough it was to find 24 pitchers, uh, let's let's get cracking. Um, Eric, you have the first pick. So who's going to be the top pitcher? top pitching prospect for 2023 this one was fairly easy for me uh, there's a few others i, I like uh hype on this list but i'm gonna go grayson rodriguez i do think he's up very early next year if it's not opening day it'll be you know one of those a few weeks into the season scenarios and he is out of all the pitches i've seen live over the last you know five years or so i think he's probably the best one i've seen he's at the four you know above average or better offerings Really good changeup, good fastball, two good breaking balls. You know, advanced feel can locate just everything you want from a you know a frontline starter. He probably would have already debuted uh, if he hadn't missed a couple of months through the injury earlier in the year. But he's back now. I think he'll be up early next year. You know, he's the uh, he's one that I think can transition fairly easily given you know what I've seen from him and said his advanced feel. I think he'll, he'll be one that'll make that transition a little a little easier than others. But who knows? It's, he's still a pitching prospect, so we never know. But He's, I think, offers the best combination of ceiling and floor for next year. So I will take Grayson Rodriguez number one here. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was the right pick. Uh, the main concern, I think, with Grayson is not the stuff uh, or the command or anything like that. It's he's at 65 innings for the year right now. 
Um, so it's just kind of a matter of how many innings are you getting from him in the big leagues next season? Right. Do you think he's a candidate to go to the AFL? Um, do you think he's a candidate to kind of stack onto that 65 innings before the end of the season? I think so. Especially with him getting back now healthy again. Now I, I don't think they'll pitch him a ton out there, but I can see them giving him like a handful of starts, you know, four or five starts or so, maybe get that inning count up to, you know, 85, 90 or something like that. And, Hopefully that'll allow him to get to you know maybe like the 120 range next year. I think that's that's fair uh, to expect, and I think if you can get 120 innings out of him, maybe that'll be a little less than probably you know some of the guys that will be taking next few picks here. I think just the quality will definitely you know be very very good. So yeah, I, I think that'll be pretty solid. Yeah, and I think we've or at least I've learned in recent seasons to not necessarily write pitchers off because of a perceived sort of innings cap uh, necessarily. I mean, it depends on what the price is. Uh, and then we've also learned this year uh, that Orioles pitchers can be, uh, you know, they can be pitchers we target. Uh, I've been using yeah. Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer in some leagues down the stretch here. It's been pretty solid. Uh, you know, do you guys, um, you know, where would, where do you think Grayson Rodriguez going? Cause I mean, he will be going and it's not going to be just a draft and hold thing with him, right? He's going to be going in, I think every redraft league, you know, unless it's just a, the shallowest league ever, uh, because people are going to be chasing that upside. There might be a chance he breaks camp in the big league rotation. Like where would the price have to get on a guy like that with that type of talent, but also maybe that sort of innings cap where you would still be comfortable uh, drafting him without any big league experience. That's a tough spot. Uh, I, I'm, and I genuinely have no clue where he will go. I'm, it, with the uncertainty that he does break camp, it, I think it's probably post 200. But I imagine if he, if it's announced, obviously that he's going to be with the team, it's going to skyrocket. So, I mean, that price tag, if it was post 200, I have no problem. And he, maybe even you get in the 150 range, but then you're getting in some questions if you know if he doesn't you know pitch. You know, full season in the majors, then you're really missing out on some talent there in that range. So it's just tough to peg where he could even go at this point. Yeah, I was going to say 225. That was kind of the first number that stuck out. And I think that's probably where he'll, he'll probably settle in somewhere post 200. But yeah, I think like, like Clegg said, if, you know, we get to like third week of March and it's looking like, you know, are they announced it or it's looking like he's at a break camp? Yeah, that's going to jump about, you know, 40 to 50 picks or so. Yeah, I think, uh, sort of how he does in spring training will definitely shift his ADP significantly in one way or the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think you guys are right on there. If it's, if it's post 200, even post 225, that's, there's a, there's a argument for taking him there, I think. Um, all right. We won't spend that much time on everyone, but I think uh, that, I think Grayson kind of warranted that. Uh, so Chris, over to you. This was the, the first was easy. I had G-Rot the top two. And then after that came some debate, but I ended up settling on Hunter Brown as my number two. With Brown, I still feel pretty confident that he has a rotation spot next year. I feel like he was pretty underrated and for a while as a prospect. I think you know, people finally started coming around on him. But you look at what he did this year, in especially in the PCL and how dominant he was, of starters with at least 80 innings in the PCL – you had Hunter Brown that had a 2.55 ERA and Ryan Pepio who had 2.74 and then the next best ERA was a 3.82 i don't think people fully realize how hard the PCL is to pitch in and he excelled significantly we've seen the fastball it's an excellent pitch you've seen him display in these two starts mixes in the curve slider even got a changeup that he mixes in some i don't think we've seen the changeup in his in MLB starts yet but he does throw it some, as we saw in the minors, and a really well-rounded arsenal, pretty solid command, and I feel pretty good about him having a rotation spot. Despite Houston being pretty crowded, I still think he will pitch his way in and earn a spot, and I just can't see him going back down and starting in AAA next year, especially with the performance we've seen in the majors, and especially if that continues. there's I would be hard-pressed to see them send down a 24-year-old like Hunter Brown so I could see him getting regular run in the major league rotation and being a really solid starter at that. So I'll take Hunter Brown second. 
Yeah, no, I, I think he definitely was going to go high in this one. Um, you know, basically the best sort of prospect eligible pitcher in terms of just big league track record so far, right? Uh, a lot of the, you know, Lodolo's graduated and everything like that. So um, I think the biggest question will just be sort of, I mean, they're absolutely loaded in the rotation with young options and, you know, do they bring uh, – anyone any veterans in i mean they they don't really need to but um i think the fact that he's had this nice start to his career uh you know we're kind of doing this with like a draft and hold in mind i think if he stays healthy you're at least getting you know around 20 starts um even if they're not right away uh what do you think about that one eric yeah brown was my number two as well kind of had like a little cluster here like two through five or six or so yeah hunter brown's been very impressive i think what, to what Chris was saying with the, you know, the PCL, I almost take, you know, at least half a run off the ERA. Like, you know, you, if someone has like a three, eight, like the other person, I don't even know who that was, but whoever had the three, eight, that's really almost like a three, three or a three, two, just like, like how hard it is pitching in the PCL or even, even the international league as well, but obviously more so the, the PCL. So yeah, what he did just standing out, it wasn't like he had a three, five ERA. Like Chris said, he had a sub three ERA. What was it, Chris? Around like two and a half or whatever yeah, it was. Right, two and so half. that is very, you know, consider that like a sub two ERA, uh, pretty much. And with his strikeout ability, yeah, the walk rate can be, you know, a little high, but not alarming. And yeah, he's got the stuff. And just a matter of, like you said, James, if he can get enough innings with Houston, I think, I think he will. You know, them, they got rid of Rizzi. You know, who, who knows what they're going to do with Javier? I don't think they even know what they're going to do with Javier, <laughs> you know, from, from, you know, week to week, month to month. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think he can get at least like, you know, 120 innings or so next year. Yeah, I mean, the PCL, just analyzing pitching prospects there is generally a, a big pain in the ass, but uh wasn't hard to analyze Hunter Brown because uh, he because he was great. Um, he had a 185 batting average against in the PCL. Uh, it's pretty good. So I think if he, uh, if he just kind of keeps the walks in check, uh, he should be uh, very exciting next season. All right, so over to me. Uh, I got to make two picks. I... Yeah, this is not necessarily uh, what I would like to do, but uh, I'm going to take two uh, very young pitching prospects uh, that have had, you know, maybe the two biggest breakout pitchers in the minors this year, uh, Andrew Painter and Ricky Tiedemann uh, going for, going for upside here. I, I do think the proximity on both is, um, you know, they might debut sooner than maybe some expect. I think uh, with both those teams, the Phillies and the Jays, there's a pretty clear path, I think, to getting those guys into those rotations. And I think it could be kind of, you know, for both guys, I think they might be given an outside shot at winning a, a spot in camp, but I, I could see them both kind of, you know, go to AAA for eight starts, dominate, and then you're in the rotation for the rest of the year, that type of thing. Uh, and I mean, taking two pitchers this age with this amount of experience who throw this hard, I'm I'm basically hoping to go one for two, right? Like I don't, I'm not expecting yeah. Painter and Tiedemann to both hit, but uh, I guess the idea is just that they both have uh, such immense upside. Uh, that you know, if one of them hits, I'll, I'll be I'll be happy with that. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, some people might think that might be a little bit aggressive, but think back, you know, this time last year, how many people would have said that it was crazy to think that they both be in Double A by the end of even by the middle of 2022? And I I haven't just Painter, but I saw Tiedemann. Man, he was running for three innings, but he was incredibly, incredibly impressive. Like the f- advanced just feel for everything that he had as a 19 year old. And it was his double eight debut was insane. So yeah, if you get one of those two to hit, you're looking pretty damn good. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we've seen this year that more teams are going to be aggressive pushing prospects. And so I'm more comfortable going into 2023, taking a younger prospect, knowing that if they're advanced, they will um, be pushed up. Yeah. And the, I think the reason I prefer Painter to Tiedemann, like, I mean, I took both of them, but if I had to take one, I would take Painter. Uh, we've just seen, I mean, they've both been dominant, 
But to, to what you uh, mentioned, Eric, when you saw Tiedemann, they've really managed his innings in sort of a, you know, you're going to go three, four innings per time out, at least sort of down the stretch. And Painter, like he's been going five, six, seven, uh, just really impressive uh, how deep he's been going into games and how dominant he's been. So, um, sure. yeah, I mean, those guys have just been out of this world this season. Uh, back to Chris. All right, so this is this was a tough one, and this is somebody that's actually likely to graduate, but before the season's in. But we kind of set the parameters that they're still prospect now, and that's uh, Brayon Bayo. Nope, don't you can't snipe me on a Red Sox, Chris. <laughs> you cannot do that to me. Sorry, you you left him. You let him come back to me. So, well, actually, you've only had one pick. So, <laughs> you had to yeah. take him one one. <laughs> yeah, that, you didn't have a Sorry, chance. I'm Sorry, not, I'm not taking, I love Bayo, but I'm not taking him over my boy G Run. Nope. <laughs> I think we've seen some progression with Bayo happen. Obviously, the last start was. A little far from ideal against the Orioles. He did walk four, but he did strike out seven on the flip side. So we've actually seen him mix with the pitch, the pitch mix a little bit and kind of changing things up a bit, using the sinker a little less. And he's been successful with it. The stuff with Bayo, I don't think has ever been a question. I think with him, it's more of getting the comfortability in the major leagues and just being able to control his pitches. When he's off, he's, he's off. You see it, he's at the high walk games. And it hurts him when he misses his spots. Like he, he's prone to allow you know a ton of hits and walks if he's missing his spots. But when he's hitting the spots, he's very efficient. His stuff is is nasty. I mean, the, the two seem nasty. You see the changeup, pretty nasty as well. The slider he's been using more. And while the pitch hasn't been great this year, I do like it overall and think that it can be a useful pitch moving forward. So it is a pretty well rounded arsenal. And if he harnesses in the command some, I think Bayo's going to be extremely useful and underrated next year. So you can get him fairly cheap, I think, just based on the surface stats you've seen because he has a, a 5.79 ERA and a 1.74 whip. But you look a little more into the hood, and he's got a 4.2 O Sierra and a 2.95 FIP, which impresses me as well. So when you see those kind of metrics like that, I feel like that there's more that, that we haven't seen with him yet. And I saw him a good bit here when he was in Greenville in high A and just really love everything that I saw with him. So I think Bayo's going to be a breakout next year and, and I'll gladly buy him here in the spot. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, everything you just alluded to, I mean, that's sort of that that's why you want to be paying attention in September. Like, I think that that's step one to doing well in 2023 is really paying attention to what's happening in September and, uh, that first week of October down the stretch here, because uh, this is where you start to sort of see signs of a breakout and, and Bayo's definitely showing those. I do think, uh, you know, we we just keep getting smarter and smarter, it seems as a fantasy baseball uh, community. So I think a lot of people are going to sort of catch on to this with Bayo. Uh, do you guys think that, you know, enough, like I, I could see us going to first pitch Arizona and, you know, someone is mentioning Bayo in their presentation as this guy who showed a bunch of flashes on the stretch and then everyone hops into DC and he starts getting pushed up. Do you think uh, the market will kind of keep the price in a manageable range all off season? Or do you think that the hype could maybe get uh, too loud here? I think I if think- he keeps pitching well, I think it's going to be, it's gonna the ADP is gonna rise pretty quickly. I, I think you if you see you know early early drafts on you know Fantrax and NFBC compared to you know February March, I think you'll see a good fifty spot gap you know between those the, those time periods. So yeah, Bayo, I love Bayo, um, obviously, and I was telling everybody the buy low on him when you know first handful of starts, but like the stuff is really good. So yeah, the the upside he's a, he's the best pitching prospect we've had come through here in Boston in several years now. So yeah, very, very exciting to see what he can do over his first full year. All right, Eric, over to you for a pair. So unfortunately with Chris <laughs> sniping me on, on my boy, Brayon Bayo, but I got two others here that I feel pretty good about. This is the last couple in my kind of cluster of tier two. Uh, first, I guess it doesn't matter what order, but I'll go Taj Bradley, uh, Tampa Bay Rays. He's been a guy that's had a you know a huge breakout year this year. He got up to AAA first uh, what six starts or so were not good. You know, I think the ERA was like above seven in those first six starts. You know, but overall, like he had a 170 ERA in 16 starts in AA. 
you know, high strikeout rate, low walk rate. And then after he kind of got his feet wet and kind of settled in that AAA level, the last three starts have been very good. Six innings each of the last three starts, allowing only uh, three runs and 11 hits, three walks, and 17 strikeouts in those 18 innings. He'll never be like a huge K-rate guy. I don't think he's a big 30-plus, but a guy that can give you an above average, you know, 27-ish percent strikeout rate. Like I said, keeps the walk rate in check. Good fastball, good slider, solid enough changeup uh, as well. So I think he's a guy that with his AAA experience this year, I mean, he's got nine starts in now, and I think he's pushing like 40 innings or so. Uh, 42 innings right now. So I think he's a guy that, you know, maybe he doesn't break camp again, but I think similar timeline to, to G-Rod, just a guy that can get up, you know, by the end of April and probably even one that could pitch another 15, 20 innings more. I, I, I could see him getting to like that 140 range possibly. You know, he was – 103 uh, back in 2021 and so far 116 this year. So I don't think another, you know, up to 140, that's pretty you know in line with his jump this year. I think those could be 140 pretty solid innings. So uh, I like, I like Taj Bradley a lot and I really was uh, impressed with what I saw out of him this year. The other one, I was actually going to wait maybe another round or two to go with this guy, but with James going Tiedemann and Painter, I'll go with another, a uh, little bit younger guy but one that does have 17 starts at the double-A level. That's Kyle Harrison from the Giants. Uh, maybe not quite as you know high of a ceiling as Painter or, or Tiedemann, but very you know very high ceiling in his own right. You know, really good fastball, good breaking ball, good changeup. You know, he's a guy that once you if you get behind in the count, you would jump on him early. And when I saw him earlier this year in a start against Tiedemann, which is probably the best you know pairing I could have asked for this year. Yeah, uh, he if you don't if you didn't get on his fastball early, like if he got into his secondaries, you you were in trouble. So uh, this is a guy very good three pitch mix. They let him go four innings in that one. Uh, he's been averaging eh, a little under five innings per start at Double A this year. So uh, he's a guy I think could get up. You know, not as early as as Rodriguez or Bradley, but you know I think they start him out at Triple A next year. You know, kind of similar to what you were saying, James, you know, give him seven, eight starts or so. Maybe you're looking at, you know, late May or so, like around Memorial Day, give or take like a week or two either way. Uh, get him up in that San Fran rotation. And, you know, what they've done, that organization with, with pitchers recently is, is very promising. So, uh, you know, Harrison obviously has been a great success story for them. Uh, third round pick that he's now, you know, one of the top 10 pitching prospects in baseball. So uh, what a good high upside pick there. So. Taj Bradley, Kyle Harrison at six seven. Picks, and there's been a lot of upside, and I've kind of been going the proximity way, and I'm going to stick with that, even though you know this guy may have some questionable innings. He's come back from injury, and that's Cody Morris, who has mm. recently made his major league debut. Um, had a lat strain, missed most of the season, but Morris, he's been a kind of a mixed bag that we've seen so far. Obviously, on a pitch count innings limit. Looked good in AAA. His surface numbers are okay in the majors. He has 279 ERA, but then on the flip side, he has a, a 176 whip, largely thanks to an 18.2% walk rate. Small sample, so I'm willing to write it off. But Morris is somebody I've followed since the college days. He went to uh, University of South Carolina, so um, saw him a lot. I really never expected him to blossom in, in the way that he did in 2021, but he turned into an exceptional pitcher highly dominant my only concern with him is the innings limit that we see next year but i do think he's someone that could get called up and be on track like maybe they do send him out to the afl to get more reps and in innings and next year he may not be full go but i feel like he's in the rotation and similar to what we mentioned with hunter brown like a 20 start guy and i really do like the stuff enough and i think he's going to be an efficient starter and useful in redraft leagues next year yeah, no, I, I mean, I was going to take Morris with one of my next two picks. Uh, you know, I think the fact that it'll be 26 next year and the fact that the Guardians just have so much awesome pitching talent on the way and, you know, it's kind of a crowded mix already. They might be a bit more aggressive with sort of pushing him with those innings than, you know, the those you know, the, the Phillies with Painter or Jays with Tiedemann or Giants with Harrison or the Rays with Bradley, like, you know, Morris is 26, right? They're 
probably just going to happily take those six years of service time after this and, you know, whatever's left, he'll, he'll hit the free agent market. But um, yeah, I, I like that. I, I like that he could be very affordable next year, depending on how he finishes the year. Cause he's shown really Im- impressive um, stretches. I think so far uh, it's just a matter of, you know, what he walked for in like three and a third yesterday. I mean, he's just got to uh, throw more strikes, but um, just three starts in the big league. So yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. Um, all right. I am going to sort of get back to my bread and butter with the proximity stuff. Uh, no more high octane teenagers here. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyle Muller. Uh, and I'm going to go with Ryan Pepio. And obviously we've seen both of them in the big leagues. Uh, they've had some ups and some downs and sort of similar in the fact that the control has kind of been their bugaboo uh, when things have not gone right. But I love the strides that Muller's taken there over the past uh, three months or so. I think he's really improved as a pitcher. Um, the stuff is is obviously there, and the the frame to, to handle a bunch of innings is there. I think he's kind of emerging as as a true starting pitcher, and we've seen how good Atlanta is at developing. I mean, they're good at developing everyone, but. Uh, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright had a lot of the same concerns as, as Muller, and he's had a breakout year. So uh, I like I like the way Muller's trending. And then Pepio, I, I have my doubts still about whether he has enough command and control to start, but the fact that the Dodgers have really kind of turned to him whenever they've needed a, a fill-in starter and – you know, he's just the the upside is is pretty extreme with Pepio if he were to throw enough strikes because of just how good uh, the the changeup is specifically. I mean, he can be uh, really dominant when he knows where the ball's going, which isn't all the time. But um, yeah, I think both those guys. You know, I'm hoping for maybe 15 starts in the big leagues next year uh, on a draft and hold roster. Those were both right. the top two on my board, so good picks. Yeah. I like them. <laughs> High on mine as well. All right, before Chris makes his fourth pick of the draft, uh, let's head to a quick message from our newest sponsor, So Rare. Uh, so Rare MLB is an NFT-based free-to-play fantasy base or baseball game uh, played with officially licensed Major League Baseball cards. Sign up today at SoRare.com slash MLB and you'll receive 13 common cards to start your collection. Build seven player lineups from cards in your collection and play weekly competitions with scoring based on real life performance. Compete for rewards with other fans around the world. For more information on gameplay and to sign up, visit SoRare.com slash MLB. There's no better time to join SoRare than ahead of their postseason gameplay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chris. So you are on the clock for your fourth pick. All right. This is. Oh, actually, before you make the pick, quick. Um, Muller, you are, as, as people who are watching on video can tell from your background, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's coming up uh, for your squad. Um, do you think, how do you think he figures into their rotation plans for next year? That's a tough one, but just because of the depth they have, you know, it's interesting. Like Anderson, I feel like is completely out of the mix. Honestly, I think they probably decline Morton's option of 20 million. I could see them trying to restructure it, but I don't see them picking that up. And Oda Rizzi, I think has another year of control, but I don't really see him blocking Muller. So really it comes down to, you have freed Strider and Wright. maybe Morton's back. And I think that Mueller would be the next on the pecking order. We've seen Elder a lot, but I really do value – I think Mueller's the better pitcher. So from that standpoint, I I think we see Mueller probably get a crack early on. If he doesn't break camp in the rotation, I think he gets the early crack and has the chance to run with it too. Okay. I like, I like the sound of all that. All right, now you can make your pick. All right. So <laughs> – I think this pitcher's price is going to be pretty depressed for a couple reasons. Uh, Kate Cavalli is the pick. Cavalli made his debut. It was much anticipated, and it stunk. You know, another way to put it, he allowed seven earned and, and four and a third. Just bad all around. And then he has the injury going against him as well. He has a shoulder injury. He is throwing, but they're not going to push him. He's not going to pitch the rest of the season. So I think the price is is going to be pretty low on Cavalli, but the talent is there. And Cavalli did make some strides this year in AAA that I thought were really encouraging. Really saw him you know, push the walk rate down a bit. That was always my concern with him was the walks. The stuff was always there and just the concern with the command control. And we saw that kind of come around a bit this year. Didn't strike out as many as we had hoped, but still put up solid numbers in AAA. A 371 ERA, a 118 whip, 26% K rate, and a sub 10% walk rate. Even if he was hovering around there, like you can live in that range. So Cavalli, I do think is going to be fine. There may be some offseason concerns about the shoulder, but I'd say it's pretty good news that he's throwing and on throwing program right now. So I'd expect him to be pretty fully ready for 2023. And who on that roster is going to take starts from him? Like he, this is one of the most open rotations there is in baseball. So I think Cavalli probably gets you know a rotation spot out of spring training and has a chance to run with it and be one of their best starters, honestly. So I like Cavalli, and I think you can get him a pretty low price, honestly, just based on those things I mentioned. I think that's a really good pick, and I think you're you're dead on. Uh, he's not going to return this year, I wouldn't think. And the redraft crowd, you know, I mean, people are sharp, but people are going to see, you know, they're not going to realize necessarily all those contextual things that you sort of laid out and sort of how it, there were just peaks and valleys in his season. And he obviously uh, had 
a really rough debut. So I think I think he will be available at a discount in draft and hold leagues for those reasons. All right, uh, Eric, you are up for your uh, fourth pick and your fifth pick. Yeah, my fifth pick. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Cavalli a, a lot. I saw him last year, and he was just so dominant. He's kind of like a slightly less great Hunter Brown, where it's like the stuff's really good. If he can limit the walks, he's gonna be great. So, I like that pick a lot. He was he was one I was considering here. So I was actually considering three. So Chris, you made my job a little easier. So thank you for that. You owe me that after taking Bayo earlier. So I will go uh, see first of back to back here. I'm going to go Bobby Miller from the Dodgers. You know, a similar guy. He's had kind of an up and down year. Started off kind of not bad, just uh, kind of, you know, meh. You know, not as good as we expected, I think, is the, the best way to put it. But he's really gotten, you know, better as the season progressed. He's got AAA recently, three starts up there, 338 ERA, over 18 and two-thirds innings with 24 Ks, just three walks. You know, he's been limiting the walks very well this year, still striking out a ton of guys. But I think, or I'm hoping, you know, that that 427 ERA that you see on the surface will lead to, to people passing on him for other arms. Because, you know, I, well, I don't think he's going to have a ton of innings next year. Like, I don't envision like 140, 150. Because, like I said, you know, Pepio's in the mix as well. And obviously the Dodgers just have an endless amount of arms. They always do. But if we if he can get 10 to 15 starts, which I think is is realistic, you know, maybe it's not all at once. Maybe it's, you know, spot start here and there, kind of like how they've used Pepeo this year. And I think if you can still get, you know, a good 70 to 90 innings out of him next year and he threw, so this year he's at 109 and two thirds. Uh, so probably start again, AAA next year, you know, a handful of starts until they need him. Just be interested to see how they kind of utilize all these guys and find innings for him and, and Pepeo. But I do think at some point, you know, injuries always happen. Obviously you got, you know, an aging Kershaw and, you know, Gonsolin hasn't proven to be, you know, the most durable guy around either. So I think you'll find some starts for both him and Pepio. So uh, I like uh, Bobby Miller a lot for this. And then the other one, I'll stick on the West Coast and go with a guy that, when you look at his baseball reference page, is absolutely mean mugging you in this, in this profile picture. Ken Waldachuk, uh, Oakland Athletics, went over there from the Yankees in that Frankie Montas deal. He's gotten three starts with them. So far this year, you know, they haven't been great. 540 ERA, you know, five uh, walks to 14 strikeouts across 15 innings. Uh, but he's a guy that he's always, he's always struck out a ton of guys. We've got this year between AA and AAA in 95 innings, 137 strikeouts and a walk rate right around 9% or so. Uh, so a guy that, you know, that walk rate's fine. That's passable. And he gets a lot of strikeouts. He's a pitching in Oakland. I don't see really a lot of competition you know, that's going to beat him out. And obviously it's Oakland. They're not going to bring anybody in of note. So in fact, he's already up here pitching right now. Get a couple more starts for the end of the season. Should be a lock. Unless something drastic happens, should be a lock for that rotation out of spring training next year. And I think he's a guy that'll get undervalued in drafts. He's going to be a guy that probably gets a 25 plus starts. Uh, he's pitched um, 95 innings in the minor leagues this year, 15 at the majors. So 110. I think he could approach, you know, 140, 150 innings pitch with, solid enough ratios and a uh, pretty decent strikeout rate as well. So I think he's going to be a guy that's undervalued. And, you know, usually a lot of Oakland guys are just because it's Oakland, but could return some pretty good value in a draft and hold. So I'd be happy to get him in, in that format. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, um, it's sort of the gift and the curse of being in the A's rotation. You're, you know, he's going to get as many starts as he can make. You know, if he stays healthy all season, he'll make 30 starts. Uh, but then it's just like, how much, how many wins is he going to get with right. them? Um, but that'll probably get factored in. I mean, Cole Irvin's got eight wins. Uh, Blackburn, what did he get before he got hurt? Is anybody um, in double digit wins for them? Blackburn's got seven wins. I no, no chance. Uh, I don't even have to look that up. Um, <laughs> not, not to get off, off topic, but you see the, uh, Another thing, I think Mike Curlin posted that, that at the time, this was a few days ago, nobody on the Marlins had over 40 runs scored this year. That's crazy. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah, Jazz Islam is the leader in runs. Yeah. And like, I don't think anybody would because like the next two were like injured. So the highest active guy was like 32 or something like that. So I'm not sorry not to get off topic, but you just kind of made me think of that with, with this win stat for Oakland. That's just crazy. Well, I, I just, I normally don't give a crap about pitcher wins in terms of like how I'm 
organizing my board and, and stuff like that. But I've just noticed like this season, even in leagues where I've got stellar ratios, I'm struggling in wins. And it's just, it's so annoying to be light in that category. Cause it's just, a, it's a tough one to, to make up ground. in. so I might have a, I might overcorrect and be sort of biased against guys on teams like the A's and uh, the nationals and stuff. But I mean, you'd have to go back to, I mean, could you argue that Cade Cavalli and Ken Waldachuk of every single pitcher we've drafted, like might have the best odds at 20 plus starts next year. I mean, it's probably just yeah. so wide open for those guys. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's probably them. Maybe Bayo, but yeah, there's definitely two of the top ones. Okay. So uh, back to you, Chris. All right, so I'm sticking with my uh, proximity and older prospects and going to a guy recently traded Chicago, Hayden Wesneski. Uh, I, I was hoping he, he'd fall back to me, but I knew he yeah, wouldn't. He's, I think it's been kind of underrated how good he's been. His first two starts when he was traded to Chicago in AAA were awful. Eight earned in one and two-thirds innings, and his next one was four earned in four innings. But his next three after that, he pitched five in each of those and only allowed one total earned run. So one earned run in 15 innings with 15 Ks as well. So you're looking at a guy who's going to give you about a strikeout in an inning. He keeps the ball on the ground a lot. And he's also debuted and pitched pretty well. Like I've liked what I've seen out of him at the big league level. He's not going to blow you away with strikeouts, I don't think. The, his, his arsenal is not really conducive to that. But I think it's good enough to get enough strikeouts to be a solid starting pitcher. And again, I'm looking at rotations that just really have a lot of openings. And I see a rotation in Chicago that has very few starters locked in. I mean, Stroman, their number one guy, like moving forward, if that's the case, like there's plenty of room for guys. And I know they could go out and do some things in the offseason, but it's just wide open for Wesneski to really take a spot. And with everything I've seen so far, the big league level is, is just backed up what I thought of him as a prospect. And I think that solid arm that's underrated. So I think he's going to get plenty of run and starts next year in, in Chicago and be a, a pretty solid starting pitcher. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I was definitely going to take him with one of mine if he were there. Uh, yeah, I think he's uh, – I mean, even non-drafting old leagues, like – last pick towards the end of the draft, something like that. Cause he's going to make that rotation, I would think. And uh, yeah, it's good division. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a really strong pick. All right. Um, yeah. These are not the funnest picks to make at this point. Um, I'm going to take Brandon fat of the D backs with one. Uh, that's, P F A A D T. That's not that's uh, not a cool kid spell fat these days. <laughs> um, you know, he's got some stuff working in his favor. Uh, 155 and a third innings thrown this year so far between double A and triple A. Um, so I mean he's he's right up there with some of that, the, guy, the a, leaders in the big leagues. Yeah, so that's going to be like pretty high for minor league pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's leading the minors in innings pitched. And, uh, you know, we were talking about how impressive it was uh, what Hunter Brown did in the PCL. Uh, Fat's got a, a – I think he's actually got the exact same batting average against as Brown did, 185. Um, you know, keeping the walks in check. So not – you know, maybe not the highest ceiling – especially relative to some of the other guys we've taken, but I think he's, he's ready for the full workload next year and uh full starters pitch mix. So I, I'm kind of hoping he's like a number three starter, that type of thing uh, long-term for them. And then this next one, I might actually go against my pre pre draft board here. Um, Hmm. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Gavin Williams. Oh um, no, <laughs> no knife to my heart. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, it's 
it's been really impressive what he's done this year, right? Um, oh, I think my my main my main drawback with him is just sort of how crowded that that thing is. Uh, no AAA experience yet for him, but injuries happen, and I mean, I think he's pretty much big league ready. <laughs> I know that that's yeah. tough to say about a guy who's never pitched at AAA, and uh, this is his first pro season. But I, I don't think he's got much more to prove down on the farm, and he's he's one of those guys where you just want him to stay healthy, and so I think. If a spot opens, if he's pitching well at AAA, you know he could be up sooner than we than we expect. So uh, I'll go with Gavin Williams at the Guardians. Uh, extremely high ceiling. I think you could make a case for him as like a borderline top five pitching prospect for Dynasty. But um, I think he will debut at some point next year if he stays healthy. Great. All right, Chris, over to you. All right, so I'm going against the grain of what I've done and taking kind of a more long shot, but upside in Yuri Perez. Um, yeah. about somebody that's not even going to be 20 when the season starts. He'll turn 20 in April, but I really do think that the Marlins plan for him to be part of the rotation at some point next year with the way they've pushed him. I mean, yeah, the numbers haven't been, you know, studly at double a, but the stuff is still incredible. And, Talking about a generational talent in Miami, like looking back to like Jose Fernandez, like that kind of talent. And we saw that they pushed him young as well. So it wouldn't surprise me. We did see him get 73 innings in double A and he's dealt with some some injuries and kind of faded a bit down the stretch, but it doesn't particularly worry me too much. And I still think that he's going to be fine and still an elite arm at that. And I think he gets a shot probably by midseason. So this is one of the you know, later drafting old you know, deep targets you take, but it's one that could really pay off, you know, especially later in the season. So Yuri Perez, Miami. Yeah. I mean, I'm already kind of regretting. I, he was the one I was deciding between with Gavin Williams. Um, I think you, you know, people will maybe miss this if they haven't been following him closely, but uh, he's got the four one nine ERA at double a, but if you, like I think his shoulder might have been bothering him. Um, let's see if I can do this quick. So you know he had he gave up six earned runs and one and a third on August fifth, and had a bad start by his standards the time out before that. Uh, but prior to that, he had a three three six ERA, oh nine seven WHIP. So um, just doing that at all at his age at double a was really remarkable. So um, yeah, I like that pick. So do I. All right. Two for you, Eric. All right. So Gavin Williams was like, I had him circled right now, but I'll have to pivot here. I, I hate to go another Dodger, but it, it, it makes sense here. I'll go Gavin stone. I, I don't know how this is all going to work out. Um, just going on, you know, talent and proximity here. And he's a guy that, you know, Ozzy James, you, you know, you've been pumping him up probably longer than, than most have in this industry. He just keeps excelling at every level. He has an ERA of 1.6 or less at all three levels this year. High A, 144 in six starts. Double uh, A, 160 in 13 starts. And Triple A so far, 159 in three starts overall, 156 ERA over 109 two thirds innings, 150 walks to, to 42. I should be 150 strikeouts, man, to, uh, to 42 walks. So I think he's another guy that probably is similar. Obviously, he got promoted with Bobby Miller, and they're on a similar timeline. So it kind of makes sense. Again, I don't know how this is all going to play out with the Dodgers, but again, like I said, there's a lot of injury risk in that rotation. So. But at this, the point where you'd be looking to take him in a draft and hold, I think, you know, even if you get like eight to 10 starts out of him, get, you know, a good, like, you know, 40 to 50 innings at that point, it'll probably be, you know, around 40 ish. I think that's pretty, pretty solid value. So, uh, Gavin Stone there. And I'll go to Arizona for this next one here with Ryan Nelson, a guy that's made two starts already with the Diamondbacks this year and, and two pretty damn good starts. At that combined 13 innings, six hits, zero earned, 
two walks and 13 strikeouts for a 0.62 whip. He's a guy that you look at his AAA season in the PCL at Reno at 26 starts, 543 ERA, not great. And the strikeout rate did dip a, a pretty sizable margin down from where he was at in AA. But, you know, I'm still a believer in the stuff. And, you know, the fact that he was always a big strikeout arm before this, like you look at all of his K rates, you know, back in the days at Oregon in, in college. And then, you know, his uh, 2019 professional debut in short season A ball at the time. And then last year, high A and double A, he's always struck out a ton of guys. He's, you know, slowly been improving his, his strike throwing ability, you know, lowering that walk rates over the last couple of years. That's been really encouraging to see. And, you know, maybe the ERA and whip isn't great next year. Maybe he's more like, you know, low to mid four ERA and, you know, one, two to one, three whip type of guy. But I think he'll give you solid strikeouts and, you know, plenty of, of volume and, you know, I think for where he'll probably get looked at in these draft and hold formats, I think people will look at the, you know, hopefully he doesn't have too many good, good starts here to ruin that uh, good value you'll get out of him. And hopefully people focus more on that 543 area from AAA. But really, really like the uh, the combination of, you know, ability and, you know, volume that he could probably give you next year. Because Arizona, not a lot of, you know, like similar to well, kind of what we were saying with Oakland, is not a, a ton of, you know, great pieces there so he's already gotten a couple starts here get a couple more for end of the season probably another guy that gives you maybe 25 plus starts in 2023 so i think there'll be uh, he'll be a good value pick in, in draft and holds yeah definitely uh i was interested to see where he'd get taken and i mean his numbers at triple a i mean that's sort of that's the pcl right and that's what makes right. what brown and uh fat were able to kind of do uh, that more, that much more impressive. Uh, right. And I think we're like Dre Jameson had terrible numbers in the PCL too. And uh, he's going to make his debut here in the, the coming days. So um, really I did not expect, I knew he'd fix something recently at AAA. I did not, did not expect Ryan Nelson to be uh, anywhere near this. Doing this? In those yeah. <laughs> first two big league starts. Um, but but here we are. All right, uh, Chris, over to you for your uh, second to last pick. All right, so I'm ahead up north to Minnesota with Louis Varland, who also recently made his debut. Seems like Varland's minor league season kind of flew a bit under the radar. He's been really good all year. He had a couple bad starts to begin the year, but in 20 minor league starts since May 1st, he has a 307 ERA. That's between double and AAA with 124 Ks in 105 innings. So the innings are certainly there, running a, a 20 a plus 20-plus percent K-BB rate, you know, good batting average against, and that, that's even with a fairly high BABIP, you know, 331 BABIP against is, is fairly high for a pitcher. So Varlin looked good in his debut as well, and – while the Arsenal is not overly flashy, he's pretty fastball heavy. He does, you know, mix in the changeup slider and even a cutter often enough to be useful. That I think he has the ability to stick as a starter. And given that he's already got some major league experience and made the debut, I think it, you know, certainly helps his chances to, you know, get some significant starts with the big league club next year. Also, given he's going to be 25 next year, so. You know, how much longer do they try to keep him down? So Varlin's one that I think could be an intriguing late round target. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he was his uh, sort of second half run was so under my radar that I uh, it was an oversight and I didn't rank him uh, on my last update. And then <laughs> someone corrected me and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, he should definitely be ranked. So I rectified that. But yeah, I mean. Uh, great big league debut. Um, I think the twins twins seem to know what they're doing uh, when it comes to developing pitching. So, like that pick. Um, all right, uh, time for my last two picks. Believe it or not, I'm actually having a hard time deciding between like four guys here. Uh, but <laughs> so that's how it goes with these last couple of picks of these kind have, of four, you know, projects. <laughs> extremely low confidence levels on all these guys. I want to make that very clear. Um, all right. I think I'll just go with the guys I, I like the most. Um, 
<sighs> all right. Uh, gosh, it's so hard. Um, all right, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Freddie Tarnock with Atlanta, and I'm gonna take Robert Gasser with the Brewers. Oh, nice. Um, I I'd Gasser pretty high in mine as well. Yeah, uh, kind of opposite situations. Tarnock, I just love the upside. There's a chance he just ends up in the bullpen, but uh, and it's a really crowded situation in Atlanta, as we discussed with uh, Mueller. But, I mean, I'd bet on Atlanta to develop him, get the most out of him. I think the strikeout upside is is really high with Tarnock. Uh, and then Gosser, sort of, you know, really nice situation. Uh, they just don't, you know, unless Ethan Small really turns a corner, they don't really have any pitching coming besides Gosser next year. So you would assume their depth will be tested. And uh, they obviously love him. I think he was sort of the kind of key piece in them wanting to make that that hater deal happen. And they pushed him really aggressively after getting him. So uh, kind of a classic Brewers uh, pitching development uh, type of arm. And, you know, maybe not the highest ceiling, but, I think he could get double digit starts next year if he stays healthy. Yeah. All right. All right. Over to Chris. All right. So you mentioned this guy's name. He's making his debut on Thursday and it's Dre Jameson. We've got a lot of Arizona in here. Right. And <laughs> Jameson's been awful. There's really no other way to put it. So it's a kind of a last round type target in a draft and hold, but knowing that there's upside and we, we have to wonder like how much the PCL really affected him. He's allowed a ton of home runs. He's had starts that are just horrific. So you may be asking why I'm drafting him. And it's just based on the purely the upside that, that we've seen with him. One, he's shown the ability to go consistently deep in games. I mean, we've seen him go seven innings pretty consistently, at least you know six in a lot of his starts. You know, there's big strikeout stuff. And while he hasn't shown it as much this year, especially in AAA, he's you know been less than a strikeout in any in AAA, which is discouraging. The walks have certainly ballooned, and the walks have always been a bit of a concern with him. And I'm just taking the shot from the standpoint of he could rack you up a lot of strikeouts and in a pinch and a draft and hold where you're just – you have so many injuries, and that happens in a, a draft and hold league. Even though you have 50 guys on roster, you need plenty of depth, and I think Jameson's going to get plenty of run – with the big league club, like they've, and I think that's why they're he's debuting tomorrow, despite what we've seen from him. They want to see what they've got in them. So, you know, next year for him is going to be he's 20, he just turned 25. So they've got to see what they've got in Jameson. And I'm willing to see what he's got to in a draft and hold league, especially in the latter rounds, knowing you know the upside that we saw him flash last year in high and double A, where he was absolutely dominant for the most part. And you know, in double A, posted 35% strikeout rate. And while that's certainly going down, we just have to wonder, like, is it the pitching environment he's in in the minor leagues? And if so, can that be improved? And, and will the numbers improve in Arizona? So I'm willing to take a chance on Jamison very late, late in game and drafting holds. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good pick. And especially at this point in the draft, uh, I mean, there's some, something to be said for taking someone who you know will pitch in the big leagues if he's healthy, right? Like yep. sometimes you'll take a guy uh, like I took, I think I took Cole Wynn in a couple draft and holds uh, for this year. And he's just, that was a wasted pick. So he didn't pitch in the majors <laughs> at all. And he was terrible in the minors. Uh, so it was a solid pick at the time though, coming off what he did last year. So, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, Dre Jameson, he's going to pitch in the big leagues this year. Unless he's just absolutely terrible, he'll pitch in the big leagues again next year. All right, Eric, uh, why don't you finish it off for us? All right, so I'm kind of similar thinking to what you were saying before your two picks, James. I just have a cluster of guys that I, I don't have any real you know, level of confidence in, but I'm going to go for a home run pick here. And before I say it, I want to see if my, my good friend and podcast co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg, can figure out who I'm going to take here. Oh. Yeah, well, you know me, Chris. Home run um, pick. Home run pick. 
I have an idea, but I don't think it's right. Uh, I mean, D.L. Hall's like on the top of my board, but I'm not sure if that's who you're going with. Not him. Uh, he He's high on my board, too. And another guy that I'm surprised nobody took here, even though I'm not overly high on him at all. Uh, that's not who I'm taking, but I'm surprised Matthew Libator didn't go in this. Yeah, I've I'm got him not, third left. Not, I know who you're. I know who you're taking now. See if you're right. All right, home run pick at this point in the draft. Who knows what you get out of him at this point? But let's go home run. Go with the guy with nasty stuff when he's healthy, which hasn't been for a bit. Yeah, Chris is. Chris, you got it right. Yeah. Six though, baby. I oh, that was that was not who I was going with. <laughs> no, I swore you were going with Daniel Espina. That was who I. No, was no. I I would if he if he. I don't know how much he's up next year, but you know, six though. I, I, I don't know if I just like pain and, and want to get hurt again this <laughs> yes. year. I, I hope, I hope our good buddy, Dave McDonald is listening to this right now. He's probably shaking his head and saying some choice words, but you know, at, at the point where you get them, I know I'm okay with taking some of these like elite risk. Yeah. Excuse me. I took my own, took my own water, uh, elite risk guys. You know, if you can get some, some solid arms, you know, in that later, he's probably not going to go, Pass, you know, where do you think he goes in a 50 round draft and hold? You think he's there, like, you know, what round 40 or so? Oh, he'll be, he'll be there. Yeah. So, why, you know, <laughs> why not? I don't know if I, 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 the other names, like, I was considering leaving. Feel like he was there, feel like he was there this year after that, yeah. that injury. Like, I think, um, and, and who, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just like crossing my fingers and hoping that he gets his head on straight in the next eight months till next year. And, you know, maybe the off season can get any ailment that's you know maybe hindering him back. But you know, other guys I was considering, you know, just didn't really. You know, it's a couple of Red Sox, Brian Mata or DL Hall, who I don't think's a starter. You know, I didn't want to go another Dodger with Lyndon Knack. You know, Owen White, Tanner Bibby, or all Mike Burrows, other names I was considering. But you know, if you can get some some safer guys, like if you can get like you know guys that I've taken recently, like you know like Ryan Nelson. And you know Ken Waldachuk, and have some guys that you so you know the innings will be there. So even if you get a complete zero out of Sixto, which is also a distinct possibility that has happened this year, as as Chris and I know from from one of our uh, teams that we were co-managing this year. But hey, you know have a, have a upside pick, home run pick. If he gives you what you think he, he can give five ten starts, like it's not like <laughs> completely out of the realm. I don't Andy, know. Though? I love how I love how you said he has elite risk. Um, <laughs> he does. Like that's probably even not. Like, Nobody can match his risk. Um, what, what's a word above elite? Like I, I don't know what the next level up from elite yeah, is, but eighty grade risk. Eighty grade, you... eighty grade risk for a pitcher who's but, already had success as a big league starter. Right, He's got to get his head on straight and his right arm on straight. Yeah, um, he's gonna get a lot of things on straight before next year. But who knows? Maybe I don't know. We should have had a. I, should, I mean, if this was in Vegas, I, what would have, what would the odds have been that uh, Cross would have taken Sixto as Mister Irrelevant here, like plus five hundred or something like that? Um, Probably. I love it. I love it. Staying on brand, and that's what the final pick in an eight round pitching prospect draft is is for, really, uh, right. because you know, as much as we laugh about the Sixto Sanchez pick, like. I don't know, maybe six of the 24 guys we drafted actually provide positive value in 2023. So, um, I mean, this is the ultimate exercise in risk and who better to finish it off with than six of Sanchez. So, uh, really appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, why don't you, we'll start with Eric. Why don't you let people know? I'm sure they're all following you already, but let them know where they can follow you and, and what you might be working on right now. Yeah, thanks, James. This, this was a lot of fun. This is a good exercise, too. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun to see where these guys go next year in drafts. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter er, at EricCross04. Uh, obviously, over at the Fantrax Toolshed with, with Chris. Got a lot of fun stuff there. We'll still be doing episodes weekly. We're down from two a week to one a week now for the next couple of months uh, until we get kind of kicking into our rankings up, you know, episodes in like down in December or so. But uh, I've been doing a lot of rankings updating recently. Did uh, top 400 prospects last monday so it was at the fifth or whatever that was and then top 500 dynasty this past monday uh be you know it's doing a lot of dynasty you know redraft content obviously dying down a little bit here but still going hard with that dynasty content and uh you know will be for the entire offseason so a lot, a lot of good stuff all right 
Uh, Chris, where can people find you and, and what have you been working on? Yeah, similar stuff on Twitter at RotoCleg, C-L-E-G-G, and rankings updates, as you mentioned. I, I do the OBP prospect and dynasty ranks at Fantrax. So prospects just came out earlier this week, and dynasty will be out later this week or early next week, still working through that. And that's really the best part is dynasty never ends. You know, as we're winding down redraft, go all season with dynasty content, which excites me. So that and you know, there's a lot of dynasty and prospect stuff coming your way. So uh, looking forward to the off season to really be able to sit down and take it all in and you know, do some film study on prospects and more of that good stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite times of the year is to just sort of hunker down when no games are going on and, and really get to do deep dives on these guys. And yeah, uh, looking forward to hanging out with both of you at uh, first pitch Arizona too. Yep. Likewise. Yep. Yeah, we missed you last year. So it's really only excited. But, but a month and a half away coming yeah. right up. I think I saw it's 50 days. Somebody tweeted. Was, yep. you get you guys are savvy and you guys are getting there uh on wednesday uh so you you'll be able to catch a couple more ball games than i will but uh we'll we'll make it count uh, when oh, we're yeah. all out there um, for sure thanks again for joining me guys uh be back with another episode of the road to our prospect podcast next week everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.